0: Today, Israel says it's brought the fight to Hamas tunnels in Gaza, while the world wrestles with outbreaks of
1: anti-Semitism and Islamophobia in the wake of the war. A big win for Detroit's auto workers could rewrite the playbook for other unions. And it's Halloween, which means clever costumes and cultural references. But that's a difficult line to walk this year. It's Tuesday, October
0: 31st. This is Reuters World News, bringing you everything you need to know in 10 minutes every weekday. I'm David Spencer in London. And
1: I'm Christopher Waljasper in Chicago.
2: With Kizik Hans Free Shoes, motion sounds something like this.
0: Israeli forces have attacked Hamas gunmen inside the Islamist vast tunnel network beneath Gaza, the IDF has said. The tunnels are a key objective for Israel in its attempt to wipe out the ruling Hamas movement. Israel says this latest push has also seen them free a soldier from Hamas captivity. The militants have reportedly responded with anti-tank missiles and machine gun fire. Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu has dismissed calls for a halt to fighting to ease the Palestinian enclave's humanitarian crisis.
3: Just as the United States would not agree to a ceasefire after the bombing of Pearl Harbor or after the terrorist attack of 9-11, Israel will not agree to a cessation of hostilities with Hamas after the horrific attacks of October 7th.
0: You can hear more about the labyrinthine tunnels in Gaza in our special edition of the Reuters World News Podcast which was published last weekend. The conflict has led to demonstrations worldwide in support of the Palestinians and anti-Semitic and Islamophobic harassment. Rioters in the predominantly Muslim Dagestan region stormed an airport to catch Jewish passengers on a flight from Tel Aviv. Andrew Osborne is our chief political correspondent for Russia. Andrew, why was this riot such a headache for Putin?
4: This does present a challenge for Putin because, of course, he is waging a war, a very difficult war in Ukraine, and he's very keen to have stability on the home front. And obviously, you had people on the tarmac of the airport surrounding an aircraft rampaging through an airport. These are not the kind of scenes that the Kremlin that Putin wants to see, especially in such a tightly controlled country. Andrew, the
0: pictures Reuters obtained of what happened at the airport were pretty extraordinary. But this isn't an isolated incident of anti-Semitism in Russia, is it?
4: What we have seen in recent days across the North Caucasus region of Russia, that's in southern Russia, where you have a lot of regions with a majority Muslim population, we have seen an upsurge in anti-israeli anti-semitic incidents or certainly sentiment in one place a russian republic called kabardino balkaria someone set light to a jewish cultural center which was being built there's also been graffiti so we have seen an upsurge in anti-semitism in that part of russia in recent days
1: meanwhile back in the u.s Biden administration officials met with Jewish leaders and universities to discuss the rising threat of antisemitism on campuses. Over the weekend, threats were posted online to Jewish students and the Center of Jewish Living at Cornell University, according to the student newspaper and the Campus Hillel Group. Campus police were guarding the building and students were advised to stay away. In New York City, Jewish students at Columbia and Barnard, like Noah Fay, called on the university to support students facing antisemitism. My Jewish sisters and brothers and I are on the receiving end of death threats from our peers. There are Jewish students who do not feel physically safe on campus. Tensions between pro-Israel and pro-Palestinian groups have sprung up on some U.S. campuses, including several in New York, prompting university officials to tighten security. The Federal Reserve meets on Wednesday and investors are laser focused. Halfway through third quarter earnings, most S&P 500 companies have beaten estimates. Fed reporter Howard Schneider will be in the room when Powell speaks this week. Howard, are Q3 earnings yet another signal to the Fed that their work may not be done?
3: So, the Fed meets this week, and they really do have kind of a, a tail of two economies here. The bond market has been driving interest rates high. Mortgage rates are really expensive right now, for example, and yet consumers still spend. There's, you know, GDP growth in Q3 was really strong, and inflation has not been coming down all that fast of late. So, what do you do? They are probably going to pause, almost certainly going to pause at this meeting. But then, you know, have another few weeks of data, maybe another interest rate hike at the end of the year. Who knows? Really, it's not clear which way this economy is tipping yet.
1: The United Auto Workers tentative agreement brings to an end six weeks of coordinated strikes. It's a big win for auto workers after years of stagnant wages and painful concessions following the 2008 financial crisis. It's also a big win for UAW President Sean Fain, who architected the union strategy.
0: This contract demonstrates the incredible power that workers have when they are not afraid to use it.
1: Global automotive correspondent Joe White is in Detroit. Joe, you've covered plenty of these contract negotiations. How did this one compare? So this round of talks between the Detroit automakers
3: and the the UAW is unlike anything I've ever seen. And I've been doing this for 35 years or more. This time, Sean Fein and the UAW basically set up a bidding war. And the bidding was, who's going to offer me enough, me, Sean Fein, the UAW, who's going to offer us enough to avoid a strike at the end of each week? This strategy and the concurrent or simultaneous efforts by the UAW to court and win political support and public support. I've always believed that the middle class built America and that unions built the middle class. They had Joe Biden come to a picket line uh, back in September. All of these strategies, all of these tactics have resulted in what is by any stretch a record contract for the UAW. They've won more in one round of bargaining than they've won ever, certainly since the 1970s and even further back than that.
1: Now, Fain argued the contract fight was a part of a larger movement to reverse decades of economic setbacks for working Americans. Could this change the way other unions fight for worker pay? I think it could. So some of the tactics that the UAW used are similar
3: to what airline flight attendants used have used in the past, which is this idea of sort of the kind of the snap strike. The airline uh, flight attendants union called it chaos, create havoc around our system. It's an acronym that also is a word. But this idea of keeping the companies off balance with snap strikes that can be called on a moment's notice. The UAW did this. They used it to great effect. They used it just over the past weekend to close the deal with General Motors, who was sort of the last holdout among the Detroit three. And they settled – all three are going to have settled on really comparatively rich terms for workers. The full costs are still being worked out. But workers are gonna get 33% raises and some workers, temporary workers, people who are not full-time employees now, could wind up earning 150% more at the end of this contract than they
1: do right now. So what does this contract mean for Tesla or other non-union shops?
3: That is a great question, for sure, because Sean Fein, the UAW president, has said this quite clearly. For sure, what it means is that the UAW is gonna use these contracts and use the gains that they've achieved to go to tesla go to toyota go to honda all the non-union plants and say to the workers you should you should join us you should you should have some of this it's going to be the strongest pitch that the union has been able to make really in decades
1: tonight America's streets will be overtaken by Barbies and Ken's, Taylor Swift's, and Travis Kelsey's. 2023's It Couples are trending as Halloween favorites. But the year also brings with it some heavy topics from around the world. Our entertainment reporter, Rollo Ross, spoke to Sophia McEnroy, the makeup manager at Hollywood Toys and Costumes.
0: Firstly, can I get, I know you're spelled S-O-P-H. Sophia, um, given everything that's been going on in the world and how divided everyone is, what are the um, do's and don'ts of costumes this year at Halloween?
2: Halloween's supposed to be fun and energetic and upbeat and like, this is kind of our safe space. Like, you can walk in here and leave all that behind at the door and just curate your own, like, costume, curate your own character and just, We just like to be positive and have like a positive, creative vibe here.
0: So what is the best idea for a costume you've heard of this year?
2: Oh, I had someone do, they were asking me on my opinion, if they could maybe pull off a vampire Barbie, which I thought was super cool. They're like, yeah, I'm just going to do like full pink and Barbie, but then I'm just going to be covered in blood. And I was like, I love that. That's amazing.
0: What products aren't selling well this year are you thinking sort of military politics that sort
2: of thing i think i've seen one person look at a soldier costume and then they put it back and they were like i'm just going to be a nurse instead i was like okay (laughs) all right but like yeah military costumes aren't super big but like yeah mostly everybody just wants to be like a fictional character they want to be fun and energetic and charactery it's what halloween's all about
0: That's it for today's episode. We'll be back tomorrow with our daily headline show. To make sure you know what's going on in the world, listen in for 10 minutes every weekday. And don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast player or download the Reuters app.